The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the boogie Wooker man. Tell my people my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, John. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid up, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling, and now they bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Man Power Trip of Wrestling, brought to you today and powered by our good friends over at Eat Your Coffee. Stay tuned a little bit later on the show, and you can find out how you can energize the moment with every bite of an Eat Your Coffee bar. And if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner here on the two-man Power Trip of Wrestling, the one and only JP John Paz. And today, John... We have a humongous guest on tap, and it's actually the original, Lord Humongous himself, Jeff Van Camp, joining today's program. And this is an interesting grab for the two-man power trip, being that we had the other Lord Humongous, the other guy who's known for playing him for a, uh, a little bit, Sid Vicious on a couple of months ago, but to have the man who was donning the, uh, the mask long before Sid Vicious did, Jeff Van Camp, 
joining today's program. Now, as we get rolling into this episode, we want to thank everybody for taking a listen to last week's episode with Jim Cornette. A great response to it, as well as a great response to the Build 2 TMPT Con 3. And we'll have all that information for you in just a couple of minutes as well. So let's get John in the mix now. John, tell us what we have to look forward to in this interview with Jeff Van Camp, a guy you don't hear much from in terms of the interviews, but definitely had an amazing story to tell. Yeah, now, uh, you know, kind of retired and, and kind of doing his own thing away from the wrestling business. And he was away from the wrestling business for a very, very long time. Went into the law enforcement world, started a family, kind of got away from wrestling. And now all of a sudden he's starting to creep his way back in. It's on May 11th in Dothan, Alabama at CCW 2.0. There will be an autograph signing. So if you want to go out there and meet Lord Humongous, who I'm pretty sure has never done an autograph signing before, this would be a great chance. And it's part of that big CCW reunion 2.0 down there in Alabama. So that's really cool. And anytime you talk about continental wrestling, you know that something is going to be uh, cool and something's going to be amiss because if you've been paying attention lately, there have been a lot of. Um, Interesting stuff coming out of the Fuller camp, and, and you can't get any more interesting or can't get any more CCW Continental than the Lord Humongous character, where it kind of grew and kind of was created down there by Ron Fuller, by the Fullers down there. And it's such an interesting character when you think about Lord Humongous. The gimmick, the mask, obviously the movie The Road Warrior. Lord Humongous was the big villain, intimidating, had that cool look, had that awesome hockey mask, just crazy voice you could never really think of like can i be a pro wrestler and then all of a sudden this big monster of a man jeff van camp becomes lord humongous and really takes that character and really gets that character over See, it's one thing when you when you can just play a character you know you come in you run fuller's hired gun and, and you know you just be in the storyline but if you actually get that character over that's one of the, the main things that's really really awesome and you get it over so much you end up eventually getting an NWA world title match against Ric Flair, which you technically do win. So that's very cool. That's a cool part of the interview. Very cool story that we do get into. I love that part. Um, but there's also some other cool stuff that we talked to, not just about Continental and the Fullers and that era, but also his time in Mid-South, where he was basically a main eventer, both as a, a babyface and as a heel. Surprisingly, Lord Humongous' character worked as a babyface, you wouldn't think necessarily of that character as being the good guy, if you will. You think of him more of a, that heelish, scary role, but he played it so well and got it over so well in Mid South. He was able to play both and get both over to an extent. And, and I love the fact that him and Jake the Snake are, are having huge matches and main eventing huge matches and having big deals, including the Superdome. So, I mean, there's so many uh, big and interesting things about the character and about Lord Humongous, about Jeff himself, that I think a lot of people don't notice or maybe kind of skipped over. But this is a great interview. Really focus in and learn more about Lord Humongous. Learn more about the character, including the fact that he trained under Jerry Lawler, which is very cool. And you get some good stuff about that as well. So, Chad, I mean, on the surface, you're thinking, wow, this is a really rare interview. And then thinking, like, I wonder... You know more about his backstory. I wonder what what you know what um, kind of things other than the Lord Humongous character went on in his career, and it really really does get interesting. Not only Memphis, not only Mid South, but obviously we were talking about Continental as well. Yeah, just looking down his uh, his background from your run sheet. I mean, he's been literally in all those amazing territories, like you said, like in Memphis, and he's out there with the Fullers, and he's up with Dick the Bruiser, and he's learning all these different spots. But I look at the character itself of being not hokey in a way in terms of uh, a take or a parody of uh, a movie character. But if you look at what other promotions and what other bookers borrowed from movie characters, I guess you could really slot Lord Humongous next to Leatherface as being like one and two in terms of like the highest of the high success rate of those movie adapted characters. Cause obviously we know that there was, you know, the Beetlejuice ripoff in Portland, you know, then you had your Freddy Krueger uh, down there with uh, Doug Gilbert in Memphis. So you've seen this happen where they borrowed from the movies and this is bookers with, you know, these amazing minds that see something on a film screen and can bring them to life. But I would say that I think Lord humongous, since it had a couple adaptations in the wrestling business Paired up there with Leatherface, and which we know Corporal Kirchner made this uh, amazing gimmick 
overseas in Japan. I think those two might be neck and neck for the best adapted movie character into the wrestling business. Absolutely. I mean, the Leatherface very cool. Lord Humong is very, very cool. Maybe didn't get a long enough run as he maybe could have or should have, but such a great character. And the time that he was there, so memorable. And like I said, he got over, got NWA World title shots, fighting Jake the Snake and main events in Mid-South. But also, from that same movie, The Road War, if you remember, Wes, very key character. He was the second-in-command heel under Lord Humongous in that movie. Obviously, where Road War, Hawk, and Road War Animal came from, very much adapted from that movie as well. And, and I mean, there's a million other examples as well. But obviously, as far as lead heels go, Leatherface and Lord Humongous definitely stick out. And probably Lord Humongous even more so about Leatherface. Yeah, I probably should have prefaced that a little bit better. I meant in terms of that big monster, you know, because, uh, <laughs> yeah, no shit, the Road Warriors definitely, uh, they would reign supreme, no doubt. And obviously the tie to the movie is unbelievable, but uh, maybe that's worth another viewing for me. It's been quite a while. But this is a great interview. It's a rare interview, and hopefully uh, you learn something about somebody like a Jeff Van Camp that maybe you never heard about before or learned about or knew anything about, and now you get to go back in the history and watch some matches and uh, educate yourself. So we want to thank Jeff for coming on the show and uh, sharing his story with you, John. This is going to be a, a very special interview uh, that one you can really enjoy for a long time. So let's get it over to this interview. We've got a couple of little things to touch on first. We've got our markout at the Meadowlands convention on April 7th, the morning of WrestleMania, only a few minutes away from the actual venue of MetLife Stadium. We're going to be over at the Meadowlands Hotel over in Secaucus with a litany of pro wrestling luminaries and guests, including good old JR Jim Ross and Stan Hansen and Tito Santana and Tully Blanchard and Danny Spivey and Butch Reed and Brutus Beefcake and Greg Valentine and so many more joining us at Markout at the Meadowlands. And if you will be in town for WrestleMania, please make your plans and come visit us the morning of WrestleMania, if you got nothing else going on, over at the Meadowlands Hotel in Secaucus, you can head on over to matmcon.com for all of the ticket information as well as the remaining guests. I mean, we're over 20 strong at this event that are going to be in this building for Markout at the Meadowlands. It's going to be a happening, as they used to say, uh, the day of WrestleMania, the morning of WrestleMania in Secaucus. And as well, like I talked about earlier, with Jim Cornette's episode last week, we talked about TMPT Con 3 in Richmond, May 18th at the Holiday Inn on Commerce Road. Please come join us. Go over to tmptofwrestling.com or brownpapertickets.com and join us at TMPT Con 3, a celebration of the Midnight Express and Jim Cornette, a 35th anniversary celebration, including the entire Jim Cornette experience, which includes VIP meet and greets, a Jim Cornette question and answer session, as well as a meal on James E. Cornette. He's going to uh, he's going to he's going to spring for this one, John. I know he uh, I know he's gonna, he's looking forward to coming to Richmond. We're trying to figure out what kind of food is a uh, specialty to that area, but it's going to be an amazing day. Tennis rackets for everybody. So come on down to TMPT Con Three and join us. And we're looking forward to both events here. But today we look forward to this interview with. Jeff Van Camp. So, John, let's hit him with a little bit of two-man power trip of wrestling business and get it on over to Lord Humongous himself, Jeff Van Camp. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno Sammartino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, tmptofwrestling.com. 
And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. And now, without any further ado, a former WWA World Tag Team Champion, a former three-time NWA and Alabama Heavyweight Champion, an NWA Southeast Continental Champion, you may know him as Lord Humongous. He is Jeff NWA Southeast Continental Champion, a former three-time NWA Alabama Heavyweight Champion, former WWE World Tag Team Champion. You may know him as Lord Humongous, but he is Jeff Van Camp. Jeff, welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Now, you know, we always say, you know, where where have the guys gone? And, you know, they make a brief stint in the business they leave their impression they leave their mark but kind of where have you been you know you've been pretty much out of the business basically since the 1980s but you're kind of coming back and doing some autograph signing things like that so what have you been up to uh they call me every once in a while for reunion matches and i'll uh, i'll come back and uh, do a one one spot show um basically i've been working in law enforcement for the last 30 plus years now that is a pretty um, different field than the pro wrestling field. Did, did you feel like that was a you know crazy jump? You go from the crazy world of pro wrestling to the uh, you know the straight and narrow world of law enforcement. <laughs> no, actually, I thought it was the best uh, field for me to go into. My uh, you know I have a college degree in criminal justice, so that's the uh, the route I decided to take once I uh, decided to maybe leave the business for a little bit, see if I enjoyed uh, uh, law enforcement. I made never, a career out of it. Yeah, you never came back. Is there, you know, kind of a reason? Wasn't an itch to come back? Uh, yeah, there has been an itch to come back. And, uh, you know, a lot of fans throughout the years has uh, kind of where'd he go? And promoters and, and my fellow buddies that I used to work with, uh, you know, always, has always asked me to come back. Now, obviously, we're talking about kind of getting away from the business and coming back. And then on May 11th in, in Gotham, Alabama, it's CCW 2.0. It's a, it's a big autograph signing, a big reunion. Obviously, you know, you played a role down there in Continental. Is that something that, you know, you really look forward to going back to kind of Gotham and the, the Alabama area? It is. It's uh, really where the humongous gimmick uh, began for me uh, in the Pensacola, northern Florida panhandle. Alabama area. Uh, the, the fans are wonderful. I enjoy being part of that area, and uh, I, I look forward to going back. Very cool when they do those reunions. I feel like Continental in that area is so kind of underrated and under the radar because it has been a while before that footage kind of, and now it's out there, but before, you know, people were always looking for the footage or it was partially on YouTube or, you know, there's not really a lot of ways to see it. Have you seen a lot of kind of clamoring for Continental? I have in the past few years. A lot of people have asked about the Continental Championship Wrestling. Where's it gone? Um, it's you know it's making a comeback. I think a lot of people enjoy the the older '80s style wrestling as well um, from the the new uh, era of wrestling. Definitely a lot of old school fans out there. I mean, me <laughs> obviously 
for sure. The huge old school fan just love that stuff and eat it up. What was so special about Pensacola and Alabama and CCW and that Northern Panhandle? Uh, the best thing about it was it's just it was a smaller territory. You get to know the the area, the people. You get to learn your gimmick, um, like I did with Humongous. You get to perfect it and um, enjoy the area. Now, when you're doing the Lord Humongous gimmick, and that, that kind of comes up, do you have to do some research as far as watching Road Warrior and knowing about the character and about the movie? And how does that whole character kind of come into play? Like, how do they kind of, you know, how do the, I guess it's Ron Fuller, perhaps. How does he bring it up to you? Uh, well, the, the humongous gimmick was basically um, um, Jerry Lawler and, and Austin Idol's um, expertise. They kind of got me off to the side and said, this is how we think that the humongous gimmick should be betrayed. You know, the mask never coming off, um, and as you know, as and walking like a monster, stepping over the top rope, uh, wearing a, a black hood to the ring to and from, and uh, just w- like not wearing the, the championship belt like a normal wrestler would, but like having a chain, like a dog chain around his, around my neck. That's that's the uh, the betrayal I wanted to to set the image of Humongous for. Now, obviously, Jerry Lawler played a big role kind of getting you in and training you and being a big part of your career. He is the one that kind of basically gave you the Lord Humongous gimmick and kind of sent you off into the wild? Uh, well, I actually know I, you know I was playing college football at University of Louisville, and I got to know the wrestlers uh, at a place called Louisville Gardens every Tuesday night. They had wrestling. Mm, yep. And me and my buddies uh, got to know the wrestlers. And, and uh, one evening, Jerry Lawler came to me and my friend named Pete Bowen uh, wanted us to, at the time, get into wrestling. And he had a, he had an idea of the Road Warriors, believe it or not. This is before the Road Warriors and Humongous. So he invited us to uh, Mid-South Coliseum on a Saturday afternoon on a weekend to, to check out, see if we, we would be interested in wrestling. So I, uh, he, he gave me an invitation. I drove to Memphis, Tennessee, and stepped in the ring at Mid-South Coliseum. And about three hours later, Lawler said, okay, you're now a wrestler. And my buddy, my buddy uh, uh, had also an invitation, never arrived. So the Road Warrior gimmick at that period of time was put on hold because I was only one person. And then obviously the next kind of incarnation would be from that same movie and Lord Humongous, who plays the lead villain, who is right. just a monstrous, scary-looking guy. And you're pretty big, six six, right, six seven. You're yes, a pretty, you're pretty big guy, so you kind of fit the bill. Did Lawler kind of, you know, just immediately just you know fall in love with your size and say, man, like you are prototypical, you know, big guy wrestler, almost too, you know, too perfect. Well, I appreciate the, the compliment. You know, I, I uh, you know, like I said, I was an athlete in college. Uh, I guess he he liked the size, and, and but basically, I had to learn how to work in the, the Memphis area, and that's where I first started out. And then after a period of time, I he told me it's all I could pretty much teach you in my area. And now it's time for you to kind of be a flower and go out in other territories and learn how to uh, work other other areas and work with other people. That's why I went to uh, Chicago and Indianapolis and, and started working with uh, Dick the Bruiser. Now, that's got to be a, a, a definite, definite big change from going from wacky Memphis to, you know, <laughs> hard-nosed Dick the Bruiser in Indianapolis in the, the you know, in the world of the WWE. Was that a huge kind of shell shock for you? You're going from, you know, Jerry Lawler, so to speak, in the, the crazy world of Memphis to the tough, hardened streets of Chicago. It was. It was a, a, a totally change of pace. Um, it was more upbeat, more more hardcore wrestling. Uh, the fans were more hardcore, and, and so was the, the people. But I, I learned how to work, and uh, I, I've learned how my, to do the craft. And, of course, I started out as Jeff Van Camp, the football player in Memphis, and I took that gimmick with me to uh, Chicago area, northern Illinois, Indiana, and uh, some Michigan area. Dick the Bruiser, and obviously Wilbur Snyder was big in that territory as well. But what was it like with Dick the Bruiser? Because, you know, you hear so many wild stories about him and how tough he was and, you know, hard-nosed he was. But what was your experience like with him? 
you know, he, he and I was tag team uh, champions in, the, yeah. in that area, and, and he and I became really good friends. And uh, I'll never forget the times that he taught me um, the ins and outs that um, that I hopefully can bring to other wrestlers at, at, who want to learn the business. He he, he taught me a lot. I, I learned a lot from him. Pretty cool to go from Jerry Lawler, one of the greatest <laughs> of all time legends, Dick the Bruiser, who obviously in his time, in his day and age, was just a gigantic, huge, huge star. And anybody that was a big fan of the AWA obviously knows knows him very well. Was that kind of just, you know, given your size and given your athletic background, it's called, you know, it's a natural fit for wrestling. But was that just kind of great for you to say that not only do you get in the wrestling business, but you're getting trained by top guys. It's not just, you know, some low guy in the car just trying to, you know, make as me. I mean, these are big time guys in the business that see a lot of potential in you. It was, it's amazing. I was very lucky, very lucky. I uh, came along at a time where uh, I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. The first night I'll, I'll never forget. I was in Indianapolis um, working and um, they, it was a sellout crowd in auditorium and, and uh, Dick Bruiser really liked what they saw. Cause you know, I'm kind of a big guy and athletic and uh, King Kong Brody was supposed to be his partner that night, and unfortunately for for unfortunately for him, he didn't show up. And he was grateful for me, and he chose me. He said, "Okay," because I was on the lower end of the card. And he said, "Okay, Jeff, uh, you're not going to go out there and work the main match." I said, "Oh my gosh!" You know, I was scared. You know, I was what 21, 22 years of age, and being a, in a title match and a match with, with, with all-star, with all, ever, all the greats. I was like, wow. I was, I was amazed and shocked and so excited to just be a part of it. Very, very cool. And <laughs> awesome to the fact that Abdul the Butcher also in the match, you beat Abdul the Butcher for the tag titles and Jerry Valiant. So, I mean, these are some kind of big names that you're uh, knocking off the list right away. Yeah, without a doubt. And, he, and actually, Abdullah Butcher is going to be in the Continental Championship Wrestling in Dothan, so I'm looking forward to meeting uh, some of these old stars I used to work with, you know, 30 years ago. It's amazing. It's crazy how time <laughs> flies, and, you know, it just literally 30 years just goes by just like that. And, you know, we're reminiscing about the past and reminiscing about not only WBA and Indianapolis and Abdullah Butcher and everything, but, we, you know, you mentioned Continental again, and when you're doing that Lord Humongous character, and and I was just always curious because The Road Warrior, I mean, it's one of my favorite movies. It is so good, and there's not a lot of dialogue. I mean, Lord Humongous does have some dialogue, but there's not a lot of dialogue, and, and it's just such a great movie. Do you study the movie at all? Do you study him? And I know he has some lines and stuff. Do you try to do that voice? Do you try to get some mannerisms down, or do you kind of play in your own version of Lord Humongous? I tried to play my own version of Lord Humongous, and of course, in the interviews, um, I never spoke. I always had the, uh, the, the my manager, like uh, Sir Oliver Humperdinck, spoke for me, and and I thought it would uh, be best for me to like enter the ring or exit the ring with him giving me finger signals, like a big monster. You know, he yep. followed these hands, and that's how I that's how I wanted him to do it. And he and Sir Oliver Humperdinck would do, would do the fingers, and I would kind of twist my head and, and back and forth and follow his lead. It is when you look back and, you know, <laughs> wrestling sometimes copies moves, obviously the road wars, Hawk and animal from that movie as well. It is kind of cool that, that you can, you know, get that vibe or get that thing from a cool movie and play that character and have the fans legit be, you know, a little nervous, a little be a little scared, right? They're a little, uh, you know, not so sure of you. Yeah, I was very, very, um, I was very lucky to uh, to obtain the, the gimmick and and um, um, taught by the best on how to utilize the gimmick. And they always told me, said, listen, you have to protect the gimmick no matter where you're at, going to and from the ring. You never going to and from the buildings. You have to always protect it because once the 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 mask or the hood comes off and they see actually who Lord Humongous is, the Humongous gimmick itself would die. And Dr. Death Steve Williams uh, said it best. I believe he wrote a book about it a few years ago before he passed away. He's a good friend of mine. He uh, he mentioned, if you ever mentioned, if you ever saw Jeff Van Camp under the hood, you wouldn't think he was Lord Humongous because he's so gentle. And I really appreciate those kind remarks by, by a gentleman, gentleman, giant gentleman himself. 
Very, very cool, Dr. Jeff, one of the all-time greats. There's uh, no doubt about that. Now, you know, you're saying gentle giant, everything like that, but the intimidation factor, you know, especially if if you, there's some other wrestlers out there and they say, wow, this young rookie, you know, he gets this cool gimmick and they're putting him on TV, but he's, you know, he's ginormous. And then you look over, you see what the Road Warriors are doing, and, you know, they're known for stiffing guys and killing guys and stuff. Did you ever have any you know, problems or any issues with any of the wrestlers? You had to deal with any of that kind of stuff? Actually, no, I, I was very lucky. I, I mean, I, I treated everybody with respect and they treated me with respect. And I, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, in the wrestling world, world at the time, you're, you're, I hate to say it, you're like a piece of meat, you're a product and you have to sell yourself. And, and with me, I was by myself and I had to project an image of what humongous was going to be and I had to sell that to the promoters to get me in that area. And then after I did that, my name and, and who I was sold itself. Was it a problem wrestling in the mask? Because so many different wrestlers, I love asking it to because some of them say, oh, it's no problem. Some of them have a problem with it. You know, it could be hard to breathe, hard to see. Any problem wrestling in the mask? No, actually, what I did was I had a um, uh, one of uh, I bought some stockings. If you ever noticed, part of my the, it looked like I was bald, and I put mm -hmm. a stocking. Yeah. Yep. I put a stocking over my head, and then I, I I after I put the stocking over head, it made it look like I was bald. Then I I put the hockey mask on over top of the stocking, and uh, that's how I projected it. And uh, I, I didn't have a better problem with the uh, breathing. I just I just took it as, as uh, one match at a time and never really thought about it. It was like putting on a football helmet. I just never thought anything about it. It is, uh, and I keep saying it, but it's such a cool <laughs> gimmick. Just, just just like the look of it, the intimidation factor, especially you know at, in that era when when all those guys had such cool looks or they were scary or whatever. You kind of stood out, and that gimmick kind of stood out. And you're saying you kind of like protecting kayfabe and you can't nobody can see the face and things like that did you have to kind of maybe walk around with a towel on like how do you or maybe wear a hat how do you kind of hide the fact because you know you can't really hide that while you're six seven or so and you know you're one of the biggest guys in the company how do you kind of hide the fact that you're lord humongous well actually i you know i've had a lot of you know i I just got lucky. I I, I I never appeared going to and from the ring with a. Uh, I always wore a black hood, like a uh, hangman's uh, hood. I put that on about uh, two blocks from the uh, from the venue where we were going, and I drove to the building like that. And I, uh, when we left the building, I always drove with somebody, or when I was driving myself, I would wear the mask. And most of the time it would be late at night when I left the building anyway. So I'd get two or three miles down the road, hop on the interstate, and take the hood off. Now, there was a couple of instances where I was followed several miles. And um, uh, one instance, uh, an individual uh, started shooting their gun at me. That was a really a heel. Whoa. And, uh, <laughs> I'll never forget that time. And, uh, I, of course, I sped off in several different directions get away from the individual. Never caught him. <laughs> that is uh, pretty crazy. And now, obviously, in law enforcement, you're probably thinking if that happened, you know, you got to turn around and find that guy and make sure uh, you put him in jail. Oh, without a doubt. But back in the day, you know, I was all I was worried about was just getting away. And yeah, safety. Yep. So that's what I did. And uh, one of the, the – and. When I was up in the in Chicago and in the Annapolis area, that's when I got the phone call from uh, Austin Idol and, and uh, told me to, to uh, come to Pensacola areas where he was uh, working at the time with Ron Fuller and the bullet Bob Armstrong. And that's where the, uh, the gimmick, um, for me, originated from after I left Chicago, Dick the Bruiser, I came to Pensacola, and, and that's where I, I started the Lord Humongous gimmick. Very, very cool the way they kind of bring in with Ron Fuller when they kind of do, you know, bring in as Lord Humongous as the heel. You're the hired gun, if you will. You know, yes. he's kind of bringing you in to take guys out. Were you comfortable when you first came in? You know, obviously your friends with Austin Idol, he helped you with the gimmick. They bring you along. Were you comfortable right away? Absolutely. I, I met everybody. It was on TV in Dothan, Alabama. Uh, we went there and I met everybody beforehand and, 
<clears throat> kind of told me the direction that they wanted Humongous to, to go, and that's the direction we went to. And, and um, actually, I had a I had a really great time working with uh, Bullet Bob and Ron Fuller and Austin Idol and Poor Chop Cash and uh, Bill Ash and all those guys, Steve and Scott Armstrong, Boomer Lynch. Awesome, you know, kind of reminiscing about uh, some of these names, but the Armstrong name, especially in that area, just sticks out like a, you know, like a sore thumb, if you will. It just, <laughs> you know, it just goes hand in hand. Bowlers, Armstrongs, Pensacola, Alabama, you know, Southeast Continental, uh, CW, whatever you want to call it, just goes hand in hand. Can you talk about how over Bullet Bob was in, in that territory? I mean, he's basically a god down there. Oh, absolutely. He is, he is the man. I mean, he, he, uh, Taught me a lot, you know. He's one of the bookers uh, of the territory, and I learned a lot from him. Um, you know, at the time, the territory was kind of uh, going down a little bit, and and uh, Ron approached me and thought it'd be a great gimmick for Humongous to turn against him. And and uh, and boy, I tell you what, that was the best uh, idea and gimmick he had because after that, the, for me becoming a heel to a babyface was amazing. Um, and I enjoyed that. It was totally different from being a heel and then turning humongous. Now, as scary as he is, becoming a heel, going to babyface. That was totally different direction. That was wonderful. I had a, had a blast. Now, it almost seems like that <laughs> you wouldn't be comfortable because Lord Humongous is so scary and he's such a great heel. Were you comfortable? I mean, you said you liked it, but were you comfortable at first making that change? Like, did you think the transition was going to be as smooth as it went? Actually, no, I didn't. I was, I was nervous. I was a little scared. I thought Humongous might die. But <laughs> as long as I, I, I kept the, the, the mystique of Lord Humongous alive and doing exactly what I did, even being a bad guy and being a good guy, it didn't matter. The fans loved it. I'll never forget, we went to a town in Florence, Alabama, northern Alabama, and um, I, it was amazing. Eighty eighty percent of the people in the in the in the, in the audience that was sold out had hockey masks. It was great. <laughs> that is awesome. And when you're that over, you know, with the crowd and they're buying your merch and stuff, that uh, says a lot about not only the character but about you know you, the man playing the character as well. Well, I appreciate that. I, it meant a lot. I, I I worked my heart and soul out on on. Um, learning the gimmick and, and being who I was. So you have to literally live the gimmick when you're when you're portraying that, that person, that persona. Hey, let's pause for one second to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Eat Your Coffee. Eat Your Coffee is a coffee company that was founded by coffee-deprived college students that pioneered a new category in caffeinated natural snacks. The company's first product line, Eat Your Coffee Bars, are a date-based snack bar caffeinated with fair trade coffee, which would be comparable to one cup, and made with real ingredients so you can feel good with every energizing bite. Eat Your Coffee snack bars are non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, kosher 70% organic and available in three delicious flavors including fudgy mocha latte salted caramel macchiato and peanut butter mocha my personal favorite now that is an energizing combination because they are on a mission to help get people energized with naturally caffeinated snacks made with real ethically sourced ingredients so if you want more information head on over to www.eatyour.coffee as well as follow them on Instagram follow them on Facebook follow them on Pinterest and follow them on Twitter and get all the the information on how you can energize the moment with eat your coffee bars now with you know the armstrongs of the world and I'm almost going to rewind up just a little bit when you're wrestling a guy like bullet bob obviously before you turn face when you're a heel when you're wrestling bullet bob is that kind of just a, a great learning experience I mean, does that kind of help you along because he's so over and that territory you know like you said he's booking it but he's also over with the crowd you is he kind of you know bringing into the learning tree kind of bringing you along as well he did but also also at the same time you know you have a job to do and you have to go out there and uh, portray an image and he he knows that and he understands that i portray his image uh and sell it and he portrays my image and and he sells me and that's how things pop and get the get the audience going so it was it was a, it was it's a it's 
how we worked together. It's, it, it was just amazing how much I learned from him by by just doing uh, spot shows like that. I always find it so interesting that certain guys are just over in certain territories. And obviously, you know, Bullet Bob kind of was over anywhere. He's just a great pro wrestler and just one of the best. But it is weird that, you know, sometimes you just look at it and say, man, he, why was he so over in that territory? Is there kind of anything you can kind of pinpoint why that area was just, you know, just loved the Armstrongs, loved Bullet Bob so much? Well, I know they're from the Gulf Breeze, Florida area, and I lived in that area for a long time as well. And uh, I got to know his kids and, just uh, the, the Armstrong family in itself are just down to earth. They're, they're very humble. Um, they have a lot of integrity. They have honor. And I think that portrays, and, and people aren't dumb. They can actually see through somebody if, if you're fake or not. And when you look at Bob, you're looking at an, an original type of wrestler who, who has integrity, and, and, he, and he just, he's just an overall good guy, and people see that. As far as other feuds down there, obviously feud with Austin Idol, is that something he brings to the booking committee and says he wants to kind of feud with you? Yeah, without a doubt. Austin was a great guy. Uh, I, I met him uh, when I was in the college football days. He used to travel with my brother and I uh, to and from the matches, and that's how we got to know Austin. And um, he was a super nice guy, and, and uh, he, he taught me a lot as well. I'll never forget him. Think about him, which is so great, and I don't know if so many people realize it. One of the greatest talkers in the history of the business. Great body, uh, great worker, great wo- uh, great look. You know everything about him. But he was such a great talker. I feel like people almost underestimate that uh, factor. <laughs> he was a very good talker. I, I learned a lot. What you, I actually also now traveled together when I was a babyface with him. And uh, he had an old green Volvo. We used to travel around all the country uh, to get, you know, northern Alabama, little parts of Georgia, northern Florida. And just learning from him, it was amazing the, the things that I learned from him, how he just used to rhyme and riddle because he used to do the, the, you know, the interviews on TV. And I would just sit back and, and watch because I never, I never spoke. But I, I was learning along the way. It was, it was, it was great. And obviously, you know, so many people, if they haven't, they should see Austin Idol versus Jerry the King Waller down, you know, down there in Memphis. Both the kind of guys that had, uh, you know, a lot to do with you and your career, which is kind of very cool, a little cool tie-in, you know, that you can kind of, you know, be a little bit part of history as far as Jerry Lawler and Austin Idol. That is very, very cool. I appreciate, you know, I, I broke into the business when it, when it was amazing. And if you remember... At the time, at the same time, I was breaking the business. Uh, Jerry Lawler was doing the uh, gimmick with uh, Andy Kaufman. Yes. And uh, I got to meet Andy Kaufman on several different uh, uh, trips and travel with him one time to Evansville, Indiana. Uh, he was a, he was a great guy, uh, very funny. I enjoyed meeting him. Now, what was he like, kind of behind the scenes? Because obviously, in front of the camera, you know him saying soap and redneck and making fun of everybody in Memphis, Tennessee, you know, and stuff like that. Was he kind of, uh, you know, I won't say you know crazy because obviously you know he's doing the gimmick and stuff, but was he as kind of eccentric and crazy and goofy uh, behind the scenes? You know what? When I traveled because I was working the same area that he was, I was a, I was a baby face, uh, and and we just uh, for some reason I would travel with him. He was just a very down to earth type of guy, and it's somebody you could talk to, and and. Uh, I enjoyed meeting him and, and just talking with him. We had lunch one time and it was it was great. Um, I couldn't ask for a nicer person. He was he was very humble and and uh, it was somebody I was honored to meet in my travels. And you mentioned kind of Bullet Bob, or we mentioned Bullet Bob and the Fullers and stuff. But you did have an NWA World Title match down there in, in Continental against the Nature Boy Ric Flair at one point. What was that like? Is that is you know. Talk about elevating up the card and heading towards the main event. Can't get much higher than that. Oh, without a doubt, he was the most definitely the best worker I've ever worked with in my life. And when you get in the ring with Rick, you got to understand you're not leaving in five or ten minutes. You're going to go for at least 45 minutes. And you better be in shape. And uh, it, he taught me a whole hell of a lot. I remember in, Bur- in uh, um, Birmingham, the people wouldn't let uh, him leave the ring unless I had that belt in, in, in my possession. And, uh, it was awesome. I'll never forget it. He, he is a true champ. I, I, I 
would like to meet him again someday um, if I could and uh, tell him thank you for everything that he has taught me throughout the years. And, and he was a great champ. And you actually do hold a win. Technically, you do hold a win. Even though it's by the queue, you do technically hold a win over the Nature Boy. That's true. That is correct. I did I did win the belt from him in Birmingham, Alabama. That is correct. That is just a kind of awesome thing to kind of just have, you know, in, in the resume, if you will. It's like, all right, you know, I was over. You're talking about the fans with the hockey mask, which is so cool. And then, you know, Jerry Lawler trained you. You're going through Dick the Bruiser. But an NWA world title match, especially in that era against Ric Flair, of all people, has got to rank up there as a pretty great moment in your career, right? It was one of the best moments of my, of my career. And the second best moment, I believe, is when I uh, – wrestled in the Superdome on Thanksgiving night, and it was uh, Jake the Snake and I. And that's a good rivalry right there. A little bit of Mid-South for you. Yes, sir, absolutely. After I left the Ron Fuller Continental Championship area, I went to Memphis, I mean, went to uh, Louisiana and worked with Bill Watts and, and that, uh, that group, Butch Reed and Ted DiBiase, Jake the Snake, Hexall, Jim Duggan, Dr. Death Steve Williams, what a great card. Bill West, the, the referee, I don't remember him or not, but he mm-hmm. was fantastic. I had a, I had a great time. So all, that's where I met Sir Oliver Humperdinck, and they were going to tag team up with um, uh, me and John Nord, the barbarian. Mm-hmm. Um, but yep. John John decided at the last minute, um, he said, Jeff, you know, his, his wife at the time was a stewardess. I'll never forget it. He said, Jeff, uh, you know, he, for family reasons, he, he had to get out of the ring, and, and uh, I totally respect him for that, and that's why he left. Now, before I kind of jump back into Mid-South, you know, you said you left the Fullers. Was that kind of plan? I mean, obviously, you lose a loser, leaves town match to the Flame, a.k.a. Right. Jody, Jody Hamilton. Um, but was that kind of a plan of yours? You wanted to leave? You, you, you had enough of that territory? You wanted to move on? No, after after a period of time, you you kind of got to uh, you have to move on, and that was the uh, the the I guess the the gimmick behind that you know loser leave town, and I left to lost to Jody Hamilton, the Flame. What a great guy he is. He's a, he's a I met him a couple years ago at a reunion uh, in in Dolphin, and and what a what a wonderful person he is as well. And it was great to lose to him to to for me to to. For my horizons, get go to a bigger and better territory. You know, it was time for me to leave. And bigger and better. I mean, mid south, especially when Watts was, you know, kind of on that run there. You know, the early and then sliding into the mid eighties. He was really. I mean, that was one of the big powerhouses. You know, before, oh, it was. You know, Turner kind of got involved. But I mean, just a huge, huge powerhouse. So much talent came from that territory. I mean, if you look at WBF, how many guys, not you can't say stole or poached, but you know how many guys Vince McMahon ended up taking from Mid-South? It's a who's who. It's, and most of the guys you mentioned. Right, everybody. A lot of people, and, and like Big Murdoch, and he and I became really close friends, and, and uh, Rob Ricksteiner. Um, you know, that's where he and I, he, he and I, we traveled together, and Dr. Steve Williams. It was just a wonderful, wonderful time. I, 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 that was probably the best time of my life was in Mid-South. You didn't mind those long car rides, huh? No, actually, what, <laughs> they were long car rides, that's for sure. And every once in a while, we had to get on a plane and, and fly to different locations, uh, even going to Dallas, Texas, and wrestling, Oklahoma, Houston. And a week later, or, 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 you know, they'd pick us up, and we'd be in New Orleans again. Such an awesome territory. I mean, the guys you named is just crazy. What was it like when you start feuding, you start working with Dickie Murdoch? <laughs> you know, one of the first matches, I think, my, and my wife is now putting up uh, my website, lordhumongous.com, and one of the matches on the website is a, a video of, of Dick and I working on a television match, and he he put me over like I wouldn't believe. He He's such a great worker. Uh, you know, rest in peace, Dick. He was a great guy, and he he really put me over. I mean, he he, we hit it off from the get go, and and uh, pretty much told me what he wanted me to do, and I went out and did it, and uh, it really got me over. He's one of those guys. It's just amazing. He just looks like he's not really trying out there. He just made it look so easy. <laughs> he did. 
he was great, great worker. And I love that you got the wife setting up the Lord Humongous. That is very, very cool. Definitely looking forward to checking that out. But, you know, with Mid-South and, and that territory, and you're mentioning Chicago and Jake the Snake Roberts, is that kind of – I know you had some big matches, obviously, the NWA title match, but is that kind of the, the big moment in your career as far as being able to wrestle in, in the Superdome and, and being a part of that gigantic show? Oh, my gosh, that was amazing. I'll, I'll never forget it. Um, getting changed in the, in the in the one of the football locker rooms, and it was so far from the locker room to the ring, we literally had to get on. I, I, instead of sitting in a golf cart, I actually stood up on the back of a golf cart and rolled to – from the my dressing room to the ring on the back of a golf cart standing up, and uh, Jake and I uh, wrestled, and it, it, was, it was Thanksgiving night. I'll never forget it. it was in the late afternoon, actually, and as soon as it was over with, Jake and I worked for a good thirty minutes or plus in the in the ring. We had to hurry up, get back to the ring, uh, back to the locker room, get changed. I couldn't even get take my my gimmick off. I had to put on a pair of sweats. Because Bill Watts has had a, a limousine waiting for us outside, uh, two different limousines, one for the heels and baby sedaces. And we left the left the Superdome in a limousine and drove directly to the airport, hopped on a Learjet and flew to Shreveport and wrestled again that night in Shreveport. I'll never forget it. I was on the plane with uh, Hacksaw and Jim uh, Duggan and, and Butch Reed and Ed DiBiase, Dr. Des Steve Williams. It was, it was a wonderful time. I had a great time. That's crazy. Double duty on Thanksgiving uh, for Mid-South. Look at them pulling off two huge shows uh, one night, basically one day. Yep, it was, it was huge. We wrestled in the Superdome, and then we uh, flew that evening to Shreveport and, and, and wrestled again. It was it was amazing. After it was over with, I think I, think I slept for a whole day because I was tired. <laughs> <laughs> and what was it like working with good old cowboy Bill Watts? You know, I'll never forget him as well. You know, like you said, that's where I learned that humongous everybody that worked his territory had to have a gimmick, and you had to come up with your own angle uh, to work in his territory. And, and uh, that's where the, the humongous video come in. We he he got with me one day and said, Jeff, I'm going to take you to Bixby, Oklahoma, and we filmed the uh, Lord Humongous video to uh, you know the Kiss. Uh, war machine. I don't know if you've seen that or not, but it'll mm-hmm. be up on my website. I'm in yep. actually a machine factory. Such kind of a cool <laughs> thing by Watts. So, like you said, he did like the gimmick. He was kind of a little bit, everyone always says he's so old school, but he was kind of a little bit of a forward thinking. And even a lot of his matches were gimmick matches, kind of more forward thinking than, than a lot of people realize with Watts, right? He was a little bit more creative than people realize with his gimmicks. He was. Booking. He was. He's a very creative uh, man. He, I mean, to be a, to run a territory like that, you had to be very smart. You had to come up with a lot of different angles. Which he did, and and uh, like you said, he, he had the best talent in the in the world right there in Mid South, and I was glad to be part of it. And you know, like the uh, the dirt sheets, if you will, a lot of people said that was the one guy Vince McMahon kind of feared because he didn't, you know, Bill Watts was a little unpredictable, and he had his territory <laughs> running so smoothly. They said that, you know, that was one of the very few guys that Vince actually feared out there. I, that's amazing. I never heard that, but I, I can I can most definitely uh, believe it because he was most definitely uh, a thinker. As far as Mid South, you end up leaving Mid South and kind of retiring from the business. You know, you said it was the greatest time, and, and you love Mid South. Why did you want to leave, or, or did you have to leave, or what was the you know circumstances behind that? Honestly, the reason why I left is because I uh, um, I was newly married and I wanted to. Uh, you know, wrestling seven days a week, twice on Saturdays and Sundays. The only time you get off is uh, at the time ten days before Christmas, and then you work the rest of the year. I mean, I've been doing that for two and a half years. I was just getting kind of tired, and I needed a break. And and uh, if I wouldn't have gave up, I wouldn't have uh, started a family. And that's the reason why I, 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 you know, I was thinking about what John Nord had he, he told me and. I wanted to maybe do the same route and, uh, you know, seeing the same type of destruction going on in other people's lives and, and their families, and I wanted something different for me. 
and that's the reason why I chose to uh, exit the business when I was at the top of my game. Love that. Now, is there any regrets on your part, Ken, leaving the business at that point in time, or none at all? Uh, there, there has been a few regrets throughout the years because I, you had mentioned it. Most of the most of the talent went to WWF, and, uh, and Vince McMahon had made a, a bank full of money. And I wish I would, you know, I was at the top of the game when I left. I was making really good money. But I wish I would have maybe stayed a, another year or so and went to that that top billion of, in uh, New York. So that was always kind of in your mind, WWF. You know, uh, you know what could have been. Yes, sir. Yeah. But I don't regret any of it. I, I enjoyed every bit of it, and and uh, had had the time of my life. I traveled several parts of the country I never would have been to, and and I got to meet a lot of different people, and and I had a blast throughout. Throughout my uh, my career, when you got into the business, was WWF ever a goal, or was kind of mid south really the goal? No, I didn't know actually where it was going to take me. Um, at the time, I was uh, either going to mid south or at the time in North Carolina with uh, the Crockett organization, and they was both recruiting me pretty heavily at the time. And and I, I at the time I knew like Bill Dundee and those guys, and they called me and. And uh, tell me what was going on, what was happening. Bill Watts is going to be the next big major territory, and that's the direction I went to. Was Dundee actually booking uh, Mid South when you were there? I don't think he. I think he might have left just before I got there. Because um, he was definitely a great booker and and had a great run in, in Mid South, obviously as well when he was booking. Yeah, he did. He did, and that's where I met him in, in Memphis. So they all knew who I was, and they all knew that Jeff Van Camp was a humongous gimmick, and and uh, what kind of person I was, and 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 what I the name I've made for myself with other guys, because guys in the territory they talk. What kind of person I was, how I worked in the ring, and and I wasn't one of these guys that go out there and purposely hurt somebody, because we all have to work and make a living. So that's that's the name I wanted for myself. I want to be the want to be the the best at the game, best of the best. That was my uh, what I always wanted to be. Did you ever get annoyed, kind of, when you retired, and other guys end up playing humongous, like very famously, Psycho Sid, Sid Vicious ends up playing the character after you? Does it ever bother you, like you know, you know, I'm Lord Humongous? Why is these other guys playing my gimmick? Does that ever come, you know, come to pass? It did. Come to I appreciate you, but I, it did bother me on several different occasions. I do know um, when I was working up in Chicago area, uh, one of the pre- people I, I forget his name doesn't come to mind. He went apparently went to Japan um, as humongous, but he 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 didn't know how to work it and he killed the gimmick off, and um, um, it, it kind of upset me that he would, someone that I thought was my friend would do something like that uh, upset me. And then after I left. The, they, uh, I thought Humongous would die with me, you know. Everybody, but I can't believe other people would just pick it up. And that's that's the, uh, I guess the persona, the image I left. That you know, flattery is the best form of uh, imitation. So. Yeah, and it was definitely played by a lot of guys. I guess most famously, really Sid Vicious, Sid Eady, Psycho Sid, most famously playing the character. I guess after you would probably be. Top billing as far as name value goes. Yes, sir. And uh, you know, that's all right. You know, but there, you know, like everybody says, there's only one humongous. That was me, and and uh, I appreciate that. And if the character didn't work so well, I doubt they would have had anybody copying it. You know what I mean? Or, or right, you know, having to live on. Right. Absolutely. Now, as we start to wind it down a bit here, got to ask because. You definitely mentioned the Jake the Snake in the, in the Superdome. Obviously, Ric Flair and NWA World Title match. We kind of talked about the Loser Leaves Town versus the Flame. Do you have some other kind of favorite matches, or maybe a favorite match that kind of sticks out above all others? Um, one of the matches I remember very fondly is uh, with Poor Chop Cash when I uh, obtained the heavyweight belt from him. What a super worker he was! Um, great guy. Um, can't say enough about Pork Chop. He is a wonderful person. 
Another individual I, I met up in Chicago area was uh, Bobo Brazil. Learned a lot from him. Great, great guy. Um, there's so many people I've met uh, through the years that, that has taught me so much, and I've learned so much from from the greats. That uh, you know, it's, just, it's wonderful for me ever being in that position. I'm, I'm very grateful. As far as some favorite opponents, looking back, and obviously, you know, we've mentioned a bunch of good ones. How about some other ones maybe they didn't mention, or maybe that some of the fans may not even be aware of. Uh, you know, I, I know a couple of times I think I worked with uh, Dr. Des Steve Williams. He was a great guy. Ted DiBiase was wonderful. Butch Reed, uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, him kicking that foot up in the air. Um, Dick Murdoch, all those guys. Um, I think the, the best rivalry I had in, in wrestling was probably with Jake the Snake. That's why I'm looking forward to going back to Dothan to, to speak with him and talk to him one more time. Oddly enough, we uh, recently spoke to Jake the Snake, so very, very cool. You know, a little bit of a tie-in as far as our show is involved. That's kind of cool. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing him again because we had a lot of we had, we sold out a lot of places throughout the, uh, the the time we were together, Houston, Texas, in a cage match. I mean, <clears throat> you know, the Superdome, Jackson, Mississippi. That's where he and, uh, at the end, John Norton, uh, Jake the Snake kind of turned on one another and left Jake in the middle of the ring. And he was, so I, I had to run out to the, uh, when I saw Jake beating up my soon-began partner, John Norton, the barbarian, I went out there and kind of left Jake in the middle of the ring, bloody and, and beaten. And uh, actually, when I was leaving the ring in, J- in uh, Jackson, Mississippi, I got stabbed by a fan. Oh, wow. In my right hand, right by my, my thumb. How that goes to show you, Jake was pretty over. <laughs> he was over in the Mid-South, and, and people did not appreciate me one bit uh, punching him in the, in his head, forehead with my hockey mask and uh, knocking him out in the middle of the ring with him bleeding, and, and the people responded by uh, swarming the ring. We we had a police escort and everything. It didn't matter. I, I got, uh, I'm walking back from the ring to the dressing room. I got stabbed. <laughs> never, who, never, had, never had a clue who did it. Never found the person. Huh. Look at that. You're getting shot at. You're getting stabbed. That is the life of a pro wrestler, huh? And I was back then today, and that's when you're over, that's for sure. And I actually, I left Jackson, Mississippi, drove to Vicksburg, and got sewed up, went to the hospital. Got sewed up. <laughs> and probably made the next town, right? Without a doubt. I think the next town after that was uh, back to Shreveport for TV. Bill Watts would probably have it no other way. You've you got to make it no matter what. Stab, shot at, whatever. you got to make it. That's it. That's it. That's him, man. You, you, you're, on, you're on that card. You better be there. Was he kind of just like super tough, bully-esque? You know, where people say, oh, bully, stuff like that. Or is it just kind of that super tough mentality that kind of went along with that era and, and you know, those kind of people in that era? I think he was a little um, uh, super bully as well because I do know that to work with Bill, you would have to work with him a, a full two weeks, and he would hold your pay uh, back from you. Um, that way, you, if you left his territory, he would keep your money uh, without, you know. So you had to you had to make sure you left on good terms or he would keep your money. I, I didn't agree with that too much, but um, that was the, uh, that's the contract in which you sign when you, when you work for Bill. Ooh, that is a bit tough, a little bit. Um, but I guess, you know, he's kind of covering his bases as sure. well. But but it is, that, is, that is tough for a wrestler to kind of have to do that. It was. I mean, you must, you got to learn how to uh, spend your money because, you, you know, always on the road, you're always staying in a hotel and, and it, you know, things aren't cheap. But you had to learn how to uh, be, be uh, frugal, as I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. For sure. Do you have a favorite territory? I mean, we were kind of saying Mid-South was great in your favorite time, but Continental, but Memphis, but, you know, the WBA over there in Chicago. Is Mid-South your favorite territory that you worked? No, actually, my my, my favorite territory would be uh, uh, Continental Championship Wrestling. Now, why is the western that? Side of, the western side of Georgia, all of Alabama, a little bit of Mississippi, and a little bit of Florida Panhandle was fantastic. I say that just because the fans were great. The guys were wonderful to work for, and I couldn't ask for a better boss than uh, Ron Fuller and Bob Bullet Barb. 
and probably weather-wise is better, and the, the travel probably wasn't as bad. Oh, it's, oh it was, that's true. The weather was wonderful, and the travel wasn't near as bad. Now, looking back at your career, we always like to say, you know, what is the stamp you're leaving behind, or what is the lasting legacy? So when people mention Lord Humongous and Jeff Van Camp's wrestling career, while it only probably lasted just about three years or so, what would you say is the lasting legacy? I want people to remember me of who I was um, in the wrestling ring, of Lord Humongous, and giving it the best, the best he could give, and giving it all to the fans. Now, please, one more time, give us the, the website and any other plugs that you might have where, where fans might want to you know, reach out and, and communicate with you or just reach out and, and drop you a line. So please, one more time, any plugs you have and also the website. All right, I appreciate it. I, I uh, want everybody to go to uh, thelordhumongous.com. My wife is putting it together, putting everything together. It should be up and running in the next uh, day or so. And uh, also, if you're listening to this, please Go to Dothan, Alabama on May 11th and see all the Continental Championship wrestling superstars and come and meet and greet some of the best. All right, awesome stuff. Now, fans, I would definitely suggest for down in Dothan, Alabama area around May 11th, definitely go to that CCW 2.0 reunion show. There's going to be a lot of legends, including Lord Humongous. And if you can, try to get your hands on some of that CCW footage and check out the awesome character, one of the great heels and turn babyface, Lord Humongous. So, Jeff, thank you so much for thank joining you, us sir. tonight. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.